This past Wednesday night, it, it flooded my soul with emotions. Around 400 of us gathered in this sanctuary for the beginning of the Lenten season, for Ash Wednesday. 400 of us, that's a lot of ashes, friends, <laughs> to be imposed on your foreheads. And at the end of imposing so many ashes, I had it all over my hands. I had it on my own head. I had it in my mouth, which took tasting and seeing that the Lord is good to an entirely new level. Oh, you know, in a scramble to find my tube of, of chapstick, that's our little trick, by the way. We put a dab of, of chapstick, a dab of ashes, and then we make the sign of the cross on your, your forehead. Don't worry, it was not used to chapstick from the winter months. It was brand new tubes. But in my hurry to find my chapstick, I picked up super glue. <clears throat> now, wouldn't that have been a riot? We would have really been sticking close together over these next 40 days. Can you imagine like coming around with a preacher's thumb on his forehead? I've been thinking about Ash Wednesday, our morning imposition of ashes in the garth, and then our evening service. And I've been thinking about the messiness of Lent. I've been thinking about how some of you had a perfectly shaped cross on your forehead, and some of you had ashy noses and ashy cheeks, and some of you went home to clean your contacts out because they had ash all over them too. And I thought about how that mimics the messiness of life and our relationships, how complicated life can be and, and how profoundly we all need Jesus Christ to come and, and make us clean and to swallow up the messiness, the ashiness of death itself. So I wanna get straight to the chase about this text and how this encounter between Jesus and the woman at the well, it's your story, it's, it's my story, it's, it's our story together, it's the story of our neighbors because it's a story about relationships. It's a story about overcoming obstacles. It's a story about letting go of, of labels that divide us or prevent us as blinders from seeing another human being as a child of God. And there's a, a few ways to interpret this text. And I confess to you as, as your pastor that for several years I've read this text, I've taught this text in a very particular way but it's a no-label Lent, so I'm trying to read it with fresh eyes from a new perspective, I'm trying to hear God anew in, in all of these texts that we'll be reading. So I want you to think about this woman's story and what it means. I want you to think about Jesus interacting with her story in, a, in this particular way. Did you know that some interpretations indicate that she was drawing water from the well in the middle of the day because, not because she was on her lunch break or because she had the time to do it, but it was the common practice to draw water from a well early in the morning when it was cool or late in the evening when it was cool for the same reason. And here this woman uniquely placed at noontime at a well in the middle of the day when the water's hot and, and everything else is hot. Why was that? Well, some interpretations indicate that her friends and her family and her community wouldn't allow her to draw water from this well in the cool times of the day. 
they marginalized her and labeled her and said, no, 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 based on your past, you have to draw water at the hot, the hot part of the day, the hottest part of the day. Can you imagine if at our Wednesday night uh, suppers that we had a particular hour and a particular line for people who had all of life in check and their relations were perfect and then at a separate time, everybody whose life was out of check or off balance, they could come eat later. Can you imagine? It sounds preposterous. So I wonder if that's what has happened. There's some other labels in here that I think Jesus is overcoming. First of all, don't miss the fact that they're coming to a well for the very basic element of life, water. But it's not just two friends or two family members. In this case, it's two enemies who are coming to the same well. Jesus is Jewish. The woman is a Samaritan. And they, several centuries prior, were all crossed up out where the capital of the, uh, the worship center should be. Is it in Gerizim? Is it in Jerusalem? And they got so crossed up with one another about where worship would happen and how worship would happen that they labeled each other and they parted ways church split. But I want you to notice something that Jesus doesn't do. How easy it would have been for a Jewish man to sidestep and to go around the region of his enemies. But did you pick up on what John said Jesus did? He went through it as if to say there's something about this Messiah who is willing to go to labels and to our brokenness, and to go through it with us, and to help us to remove those. So he doesn't sidestep this woman's story. He enters right into it. You know, we all have a Samaria, we all have a Sychar, a place or a relationship we prefer to avoid, a family enemy, a work nemesis, somebody who sits on that side of the aisle and somebody who sits on this side of the aisle, isn't it easier just to do a workaround to avoid? So I wonder if part of what we're seeing when Jesus goes through Samaria, Samaria this region of Samaria, is, it, is that he's saying, take those labels off too. The labels of political division, the labels of religious division, and I'll go right through it all with you. The other thing that's happening in this story is that in the first century, a man would never initiate a conversation with a woman in public. So before they even speak a word to one another, these labels of religion and nationalistic pride and all these things, and also gender roles, Jesus is saying, let them go and let's talk around some water. I think with Jesus, there's always a middle way. But I think one of the most interesting parts about this text is in verses 16 through 19. And the assumptions that have been made about this woman's story over the years by early interpreters, by modern interpreters, is that she's a sinner. That she's coming to the middle of the the town in the heat of the day by herself because her community or family or friends are pushing her that way. It's a certainly valid interpretation. And so maybe she's coming because of moral laxity, but here's the thing. Jesus, the Christ, 
does not judge her at all. Not for being withholding of her story, you know. Go tell your husband, I don't have a husband, you know. No judgment there, no judgment about, about what had happened because honestly the text doesn't tell us why she had five husbands and the, the man she was with currently. Maybe she was in a leveret marriage. You know what that is? It's when a woman is married to a man and, and, and he dies and the brothers are responsible for marrying her to take care of her, provide for her. So maybe, maybe that family ran out of brothers to marry her. We don't know exactly what's going on with her story, but what Jesus is unwilling to do is to attach any kind of shame or guilt or labels to her story. I think Jesus knew how thirsty she was. I think he knew how much she had been wrestling with. I think she knew some of the social conventions and the cultural norms that had been oppressive to her maybe. I think Jesus knew he was overcoming these boundaries of chosen people and rejected people. He knew maybe how many labels were being, were being placed on her. He even had his own disciples say, can you believe that he's talking to this woman in the middle of the day? But what if that's not the only way to think about this text? What if she's actually showing great courage? What if she's, what if she's caught up in the cycles of grief having lost five husbands? What if she's trying to lead her community forward and take steps of courage to find water? What if she's a bold woman who will not allow her past to define her? What if she's saying to all who are around her, stop seeing me as a label. I've got a Jesus to meet. You know, despite all of the shame and the divisive conventions and all, all of the unknowns about her, actually, her actual story, Jesus never saw this woman as a sinner, as an enemy, as a cultural convention, as any other label except a child of God. And that's... That's what I want us to walk away with at the end of these 40 days, is to stop seeing ourselves as labels, to stop seeing others as a label, and to, and to stop allowing people to label us. Because at the end of this 40 days, what I, I want us to be able to articulate is that every human being is a child of God, redeemed by Christ, and gifted by the Holy Spirit. If that's our starting place, Jesus will provide a way forward. Amen? Amen? Jesus knew that this woman didn't need another enemy. She doesn't need another judge. She needs a label-freeing redeemer. So he changed her story. And I think if that transformation by the power of Christ can happen once, it can happen again and again, and again. And I know it to be true, or else there wouldn't be 500 labels dropped in baskets, people wanting to meet Jesus at the well and find the living water today to say, I'm leaving it all behind. 
I love that Jesus uses ordinary means to communicate an extraordinary grace. We're going to experience that just a moment in this meal together. But he also does it with, with water, where this, this water in a Samaritan village becomes the inebriating wine of grace through this woman's testimony. Her story, you heard it, it spills over into her community. Jesus changed her life, and she had to tell about it. Her cup raneth over so much that she had to let go of some of the excess and share it. And so all of her community, her friends, her family, her community, um, business men and women, whomever it was, became vessels filled up by the same unexpected living water that she received. Hmm. What are your relationships like? How are labels attached to you? How do you attach labels to yourself based on your past, based on your present? How have you labeled others based on their past or based on their present? How have others put a label on you. In each pew rack, if you, if you haven't had a chance to find one yet, in each pew rack are these labels. And they'll be there each Sunday for this season of Lent. So over the next few minutes, I want you to begin thinking about the relationships in your life and how they've been damage, damaging to you, how you've maybe done damage. Today is the day to let go of those labels and to leave them here as a form of prayer. And over the course of next week, we'll affix those to the cross to say, we're willing to let, let go of these because we need a new identity and a new story. And I want another person to have a new identity and a new story. And I'm not willing to go around that relationship anymore. I want to go right through it. With the help and the power of Jesus Christ, and with the help of the church, we can do that. We can find healing together. If your past or your present relationships are causing those kinds of shame, those levels of shame and, and guilt, then I want you to hear today that Jesus doesn't see you that way. That Jesus sees you as his beloved. And if your past or your present is causing shame and guilt and harm to other people, then I want you to know that Jesus doesn't see you the way the world sees you, or the way that you see yourself. He sees you as a beautiful child of God. So whether it's from abuse or divorce or estrangement or poor parenting or being prodigal children or bad choices or whatever it is, we can take those labels and let go of those today. So take just a minute. Find your label. And when we come forward for communion in just a moment, there's two baskets here. You can set your label in those baskets. You can come and partake of this reconciling meal that binds us together with Christ and with one another and in ministry to all the world. Let's pray together. God, as we prepare this very moment to partake of your holy sacrament, this means of grace, we ask for your help and for your courage, like the woman at the well, to take steps forward in the direction of Jesus Christ and to let go of labels that divide us. Help us think right now, Lord, where 
the walls are that are between us and other people. And to tear those walls down and then to use those materials to build a bridge. Help us, Lord, to observe a label-free Lent and change our story so that we may gush forth from the springs of eternal life. In your name we pray. Amen.